Let's hear the Lord speak just this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 11. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to working, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. This is the word of the Lord. If you are new, we're, we're working our way through the book of 1 Corinthians, and we're in part, the, the fourth part of this letter. Um, and in this section, Paul has given the church instruction on, on really um, how, to, how things should be when the church gets together for worship like we're doing right now. So we want to sp- pay, pay special attention to this. Um, and in this, in this passage, um, really over the next three chapters, uh, chapters 12 to 14, he zooms in on uh, spiritual things. Um, and the outworking of, of spirituality. Um, and I wonder, maybe, I, I just kind of like, as, you, as we read this text, as Rebecca read that for us, what was going through your mind? What initial reactions do you have? It's always good to be aware of, well, how, how am I responding to this? So maybe you were confused. Maybe some of that stuff in there, you're like, what is that all about? Maybe um, you were excited. Um, or maybe, maybe talk of spiritual gifts brings up some uncomfortable memories or, or maybe some exciting memories. Or maybe you're like me and you get a wee bit nervous because you've heard of or you've experienced some uh, like weird and, and wacky stuff. Um, I remember uh, in about 2005, I was invited to, I basically went to a conference, a Christian conference over in England. And um, to begin with, it was all kind of your bog standard stuff, really good, like a bit of teaching, a bit of singing. Um, but then during the evening session, um, it all kind of kicked off. And I don't, I don't know what was so special about the evening, like maybe they just go crazy when the sun goes down, I'm not sure. But man, um, there were like people falling over and uh, there were people running up and down the aisles and all, all manner of crazy things. They did this thing uh, called a fire tunnel. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. It's basically when you join hands like at the, I don't know why, I don't want you to do this, I'm just telling you, anyway, you join hands like at the end of a wedding party, you know that thing, and if you ran up this, apparently you'd receive a special blessing from the Holy Spirit, and uh, it, I mean, it was pretty much chaos, and I went to bed that night with a lot of questions, like, is this really what the church is supposed to do? I mean, because if it is, if this is really from God, then I want in on it, um, and if so, then why wasn't I falling over? Because I didn't really feel like I, I, I just didn't fall over, and I wasn't, someone wasn't going to push me over, and I, why wasn't all these things happening to me? Like, if God wants me to fall over, that's great. I'll embrace that, but it just wasn't happening. Anyway, I went back the next night because, you know, try everything twice, and uh, that's not good advice for life, but yeah, there you go. And that night, all the same stuff was happening, except someone came over to me and asked me to pray for them. And I was like, happy days, like finally something I know, I can pray for people, I can handle that. And they wanted me to pray for healing for something that was wrong with their shoulder. Um, so I put my hand on the shoulder, I was about, about to pray for them, and then as I was about to start praying, they said, okay, you'll know that I'm being healed if your hand gets hot, because that's the, the power of God leaving your hand and entering into my body. And at that point, I was like, well, I'm out of here, like this is, I'm done with this. Like I, I didn't know much, but I knew enough to know that I wasn't comfortable that that was in the Bible. Um, and maybe you've experienced stuff like this, where it seems like maybe people have taken what's in the Bible and maybe just gone a wee bit too far. Maybe you felt pressure to do certain things. Maybe uh, you felt pressure to be, behave a certain way, or, or maybe you felt that you're not even a real Christian because you don't have extra abilities or, or can't do some of this stuff. Or maybe you're listening to my story and you're like, yes, that is the way church should be. This is great. We need more of that. And that tends to be the case when we start talking about spiritual things and specifically spiritual gifts. Some people just give up on it altogether. 
and say, well, God doesn't work like that anymore, so no. And some people take it to the other extreme and go, go crazy, essentially, and descend into some kind of madness. And I just want to start out by saying that what we want to do in our church, what, what, what we do in Village, is, is firstly, avoid unbiblical extremes. So let me explain what I mean by that. We believe that, that God still gifts his church in various ways so that his glory can be displayed, but we want to practice this in a biblical way. So this means that we're not going to be doing fire tunnels anytime soon or anything like that, but neither are we going to throw the baby out with the bathwater just because this kind of stuff has been uh, practiced badly in the past. And so what we believe is the Bible is God's complete and trustworthy word to us. The Bible is God's word for God's people. There's nothing that can be added to it, nothing that can be taken away from it, so we can simply trust the Bible when it says that the gifts of God are available to his church in this day for the same purposes that they were given in the first century as is revealed to us in his word. This simply means that we, we don't do anything that isn't in the Bible, and we don't, but neither do we shy away from anything that is in the Bible. Make sense? So with that said, let's look at this section of, of 1 Corinthians. This passage of 1 Corinthians has always been taken to be mainly about how you understand spiritual gifts. But, but these chapters aren't even primarily about gifts. Remember where we are in the letter. Even though the spiritual gifts are, are mentioned quite a bit, and especially in chapters 12 to 14, and, and actually all throughout 1 Corinthians, really... The text itself is actually about understanding what God is doing and therefore how to behave when we get together for worship, when the local church gathers together. And so with that in mind, we're, we're probably not going to cover all your questions about spiritual gifts this morning. But what, what we're going to do is just focus in on this passage where God has led us to this morning. And we're going to hear what God has to say for us right here and right now. So let me pray for us uh, and, then, and then we'll get stuck into the passage. Lord, uh, thank you for your church. Thank you that you speak to us through your word. Thank you that your Holy Spirit is present and active with, with us. And Lord, we, we have hopeful expectation that you will move when we gather together for worship. Lord, free us from uh, unbiblical doubts and fears and keep us and preserve us from, from unbiblical practices. Lord, we want to hear our Father, our good, good Father, speak to us this morning. So Lord, would you allow us to hear your voice for your glory? Amen. Um, so firstly, as we start in verse 1, we see that Paul starts out by saying, now concerning spiritual gifts. Now, two things I want to point out quickly. Firstly, when Paul says now concerning in this letter, he's answering a direct question that the Corinthians have asked him. So, so they've, they've written to him and asked him a question. And he said, well, now concerning that thing that you asked me about. And secondly, when it says spiritual gifts here in verse 1, that word gifts isn't actually in the original language. That's been added in by translators later. The word gifts only comes up in verse 4 when, when, in, and later on in the passage. What he's actually saying is concerning spiritual realities. It's what we might call spiritual, spirituality or, or spiritual things. So the Corinthians have asked Paul that uh, there appears to be like some spiritual people doing some spiritual things and they have some questions about that and, and they say, Paul, what about these things? And so Paul answers this question in the rest of the passage. And as we read his answer carefully, I think what we see is this, and this is our main theme for this morning. Concerning spiritual things, God gives a variety of gifts to his church to demonstrate his presence with his church for the common good of his church. I'll say that again if you're writing it down. Concerning spiritual things, God gives, a variety of, God gives a variety of gifts to his church to demonstrate his presence with his church for the common good of his church. Now it seems that the Corinthians think that when it comes to spiritual things that they've, they've got it down. It seems like they're doing alright. It's a common theme with the Corinthians, right? That it seems like they're not all that self-aware sometimes. And just when they think that they're not too shabby, Paul comes in to burst their bubble and set them straight. They think they've got it, but they've been twisting and distorting the gifts of God that, Paul, that God has given to the church so that Paul has to come in yet again and correct them. And the first thing that he says to them, and this is our first lesson this morning, is that the spiritual gifts are given to proclaim 
Jesus as Lord. Listen to what he says again as I read verses 1 to 3. Now concerning spiritual things, spirituality, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Paul is saying that the Corinthians are ignorant about spirituality and he wants them to have clarity. He ties their ignorance back to how they used to be before they trusted Jesus because back then they were pagans. And now, uh, I mean, back then in, in the paganism of Corinth, there was a God for everything. That's how it worked. So if you were struggling to get pregnant, for example, you would go to the fertility God and you would offer a sacrifice and maybe some money and you would hope that somehow this God that doesn't exist would make you pregnant. Or if you were sick, you would go to the God over that particular sickness and you would do the same thing, maybe pray or, or offer a sacrifice or some money and you would hope that that God would give you the gift or would give you healing. And so when these people got saved and became followers of Jesus, they weren't really sure how the gifts worked. They were trying to use God like one of their pagan gods. They were trying to use these gifts in, like that. Like a pick and choose for what I need kind of situation. And they saw the spiritual gifts as, as something to be envied. Remember this is a, a, a culture and a people where, where position was very important. And, and everyone, everyone wanted the most uh, visible and popular gifts. And just in the way that they could have a plethora of gods. They wanted all the gifts. I want to collect them all, kind of like a Pokemon situation. I want to collect them all. And, and they were trying to basically have one foot in Jesus and one foot still in their pagan uh, past. Their focus was on themselves and not on glorifying God. And in that respect, I think that maybe we have a lot in common with them. And Paul says, you're ignorant. You don't understand what you're doing. And so he gives them this, this a kind of litmus test. He says, okay, no one who is indwelt by the Holy Spirit ever curses Jesus. You can, you can never, if you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, you can never say that Jesus is accursed. And only those who are indwelt by the Holy Spirit can truly say that Jesus is Lord. Now, he's not saying that someone who's really a Christian would, there's would actually curse Jesus. But what he's talking about are those Christians who say, yes, I follow Jesus, but you know what? I'm hedging my bets. And I'm going to keep uh, trusting these pagan gods or, or, or for us some other reality for my fulfillment and, and power and, and courage and strength and energy and peace and all that kind of stuff. And what he's saying is that you know, if you're a believer in Jesus, you are the home of his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in you. So don't walk with a foot in both worlds. These are dumb, mute idols. They mean nothing. Instead, those who are indwelt by the Holy Spirit say, Jesus is Lord. And he's not just talking about just saying the words. I mean, I mean to say those words back there, back in that context, had a much more significance than, than they do for us today, I think. And so uh, what he's saying is that those, uh, what I mean by that is saying those words and that day could cost you your life. And what he's saying is that those who are indwelt by the Holy Spirit make Jesus Lord of their whole lives. If you have the Holy Spirit living in you, there is not an area or aspect of your life that does not belong to Jesus. It doesn't mean we're perfect. It doesn't mean that we don't have times when we stumble and fall. It doesn't mean that we don't mess up on a daily basis. But, but what it does mean is that as best we can do right now, with the grace we have and the power God has given us in the Holy Spirit for today, in this moment, we make Jesus Lord of our lives. We give him every area of our lives. We, we give him access and control over everything. And I have to be honest, I, I'm not sure how much this is a reality for my life. I struggle with this. When I was studying this, this is one of the things that hit me most in this passage was, and I don't know if that's always true for me. There are times when I'm better at it than others, sure. But I do want Jesus to be Lord of my life completely. And I, I know that his spirit is a gift to me. 
And, and just as he has given me that gift, I know that he is growing me and moving me uh, in his grace and mercy. And he's going to keep doing that until one day when Jesus comes back, I will be transformed by his grace. And in a renewed world, I will be able to say 100% fully for the first time, Jesus is Lord. And that's the hope that we hold on to. And in the meantime, what do we do? We keep trusting him. We keep working to kill our sin. And we keep repenting when we do mess up. And we keep doing this knowing that God will preserve us, to, I was going to say to the end, but, but to that beginning, to the beginning of our true lives. Jesus is Lord. So I guess this is our first challenge this morning. I want to ask you, is Jesus Lord of your whole life? I'm not asking are you the perfect Christian. I'm not asking how good your prayer life is. I'm not asking you know, how much you sin this week. When I'm asking, are you striving to make Jesus Lord of your whole life? Are you relying on his grace and his mercy to carry you when you do mess up? Are you trusting him day by day that as you strive to make him Lord of your life, that he will preserve you to the end? Because if, I, wanna, I just want to make this clear. If, if, if you're sitting here this morning and you've read that passage, you're like, great, a juicy passage. I want to get the ins and outs of gifts and what my gift is and what, you know. If, if, that's, if that's your primary concern and your starting point isn't the lordship of Jesus, then you might as well forget it. Because like the Corinthians, you've missed the point. It's not about what the gifts are. It's not about who gets gifted in what ways. It's not about what you can do and other people can't do. It's not about you at all. It's about Jesus. It's always about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And true spirituality, Paul has sent to the the Corinthians and God by his spirit has sent to us this morning that true spirituality begins with declaring with your whole life that Jesus is Lord. And the biggest gift that God gives us, forget how you can pray or speak into people's lives or serve people or anything. Forget that for a second. Those things are important, but they're secondary to the biggest gift that God gives us when we come into his family, when we trust in Jesus, is the gift of his Holy Spirit. And it's only by his Holy Spirit living in us that we can even say Jesus is Lord. It's all a gift. So that's our first lesson. Jesus is Lord. Christianity 101. Secondly then, I want us to see that the spiritual gifts are given for the common good of the church. I love this part. I, love, I, 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 just, I, I, loved, I loved reading this and studying this and preparing this. Listen to verses 4 and 7. He said, 4 to 7, I should say. He says, Now there are a variety of gifts. So it starts with Jesus Lord. And here's how this works itself out in the church. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Paul's basically saying that the same one God gifts people in the church with various gifts to serve the good of the church in various ways. So um, Matt Chandler says this. He says, the pa- this passage will stress that for Christians, there is only one God in spirit and the same God is experienced by all of his people and he blesses them all in the most diverse ways. So there are some things that we all have in common as Christians, right? Um, and there's some things that we don't have in common. So all of us here as Christians have been saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That, that's the one thing that all Christians share We were lost and God saved us. We were dead and now we're alive because God worked in us. That's the story that we all share. And we've all been adopted into God's family. We were all outside, one outside of his family and now we're all in his family, right? So those are the things that we have in common. Yet God has gifted each of us uniquely. He placed us each where we are uniquely. He has called us to different things and we all have different backgrounds and we've all, we've all struggled and wrestled through different things and, and God has shaped us and, and is sanctifying us in different ways through different means. And these are the things that we don't have in common. And God gives his gifts in a variety of ways, in a variety of times, in a variety of levels, in a variety of outworkings of those gifts. And we're going to see more in that next week. But Paul wants, us to un- Paul wants the Corinthians to understand how this works. And so notice these two little words in verse 7. At the start of verse 7, he says, To each is given 
the manifestation of the Spirit. To each. So you know what this means. And this is the, the good news for us this morning. It means that every individual who's trusting in Jesus has been uniquely gifted by God. That means that there's no one who's a Christian in this church or in any church, there's no one in the Christian in the world who has not been uniquely gifted by God. You have been gifted by God with a gift or various gifts. This is incredible. That God has something spectacular to say to you this morning, and it is this. This is for you. Spiritual gifts are for you if you are a Christian. God gives spiritual gifts to all his children. All his children. Not the same gift, but all from the same giver. And maybe you read this passage, you're hearing me saying that, and you're like, well, you know, that's not me. I don't have any gifts. I don't have any of those gifts. And maybe it leads you to think that God hasn't given you any gifts. And maybe that leads you to think that then that God has nothing to offer through you to the church. Like, I wonder if I asked everybody in here, and I'm not going to, but I wonder if I did, if they think that God has something to offer the church through them. How many of you would say, maybe, no, I don't think so, not much? And that's sad. That's not what God intends at all. And I think that what happens is that we, we tend to look at people, because of our culture, the whole list of reasons I can list, but we tend to look at, we tend to look at the people who, have, who are gifted in more public ways, don't we? So we tend to look at people who can preach and teach and lead worship and, and who can pray in public and, and give uh, words of prophecy and all that kind of stuff. We tend to look at those people and, and we automatically assume that that's what spiritual giftedness looks like. And it somehow stops us from thinking that we could ever be gifted. And maybe we look at people who can confidently get up in a prayer meeting or speak up in our missional community family dinners or, and give a word from the Lord and we think, well, I could never do that. I, I, well, I don't know my Bible well enough. You know, did you see that, the, the stuff I did this week or the thoughts I had this week? Or I just don't have the courage. I'm, 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 not, I'm just not that gifted. And this stops us from participating in the spiritual life of the church in the way God intends us to do. I mean, think, I'm going to say a few scenarios and maybe something will resonate here. Have you ever sat in a Bible discussion and felt frozen from saying anything because you think you have nothing to offer? I'm sure that's resonating with some of you. Or have you ever felt the urge to go and ask somebody how they're doing or offer to pray for them, but you don't because you just don't have the confidence? Or, or maybe you've even thought that you have something specific to say to someone that something that they need to hear, but you don't because you think, well, that can't be right, or I don't have anything to offer, or I'm not a preacher, I'm not a teacher. Well, that's not true. If, what, if the, the word of God is to be believed, and it is because it comes from God, and God is truth. If you are in Jesus, you are the home of the Holy Spirit, and God has gifted you to use that gift for the good of the church. God uses the Holy Spirit in each of us to speak to and minister to each other. Did, did you hear what I said? God uses the fact that the Holy Spirit dwells in each of us to speak to each of us for the good of each other, for the building up of the church. And the confidence to do this doesn't come from your own ability or your own lack of ability or, or whatever. It comes from the fact that God is at work by his Holy Spirit in you. This is really good news. Is even the least of us, the perceived least of us, we've been gifted powerfully by the Holy Spirit for the good of his church and for the glory of Jesus. It's a gift. It's not something that you uh, can earn. It's not something you can achieve because it's not really about you. That's the theme here. It's not really about you. It's about God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and how he longs to interact with his church. And notice I said Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and I think it's important to, to point this out. The passage says in verses 5 and 6, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. This passage is about the Trinity. This passage is about the perfect three, three persons in one God God that we worship. The Spirit is the Holy Spirit, the Lord is Jesus, and God is the Father. And sometimes we hear these things, these gifts called gifts of the Spirit, but that's not, that's not true. 
They are gifts of God to his people, empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's the, that's the Holy Spirit's unique purpose within the Trinity. Like we saw when we looked at the male and female stuff a couple of weeks ago. That the, that the Holy Spirit's role within that is empowering these gifts to be used for the greater good of the body of who? The body of Christ. This is about the three persons God gifts his church. And it's a unique and beautiful picture of how the, the very nature of God. And so the church doesn't need... Listen, if we were a church full of me's, firstly, nothing would ever get done uh, because we'd all be arguing about who is the best. That just wouldn't happen. Or if everyone else was, uh, you know, uh, if we were a church full of like uh, people who lack confidence, nothing would ever get done because no one would ever speak out. The church, can I just encourage you, the church doesn't need to be full of uber-gifted up on the people up on the platform displaying their gifts publicly. Some people are gifted in that way, but but most people aren't. The church needs faithful, Jesus-loving Christians just humbly using the unique ways that God has gifted them to build up and encourage the church. You can do more good for the kingdom. This is how the kingdom of God is advanced. You can do more good for the kingdom of God humbly serving God through your gift with the person next to you than you can trying to achieve being up on the platform or by retreating from it because you think you don't have anything to offer. This is how the kingdom of God works. I love that, I love that John started with that, that, that passage about Moses. In the kingdom of God, the greatest is the least. The greatest, the greatest person in the kingdom... Listen, when we get to glory, when we, we're in the new creation and we're with Jesus face to face... We'll be surprised who's the greatest in that kingdom. I guarantee you'll be someone that we've never heard of. The greatest in the kingdom of God is, are those who nobody ever hears of, that people who suffer immensely and do it with joy, people who, who push back the darkness through the power of the Holy Spirit, and they do it in ways that nobody ever sees, and people who don't do it for any acclaim or any praise, just brothers and sisters who are faithful where God has placed them with what God has given them. And before, I was talking to those of you who lack confidence in your giftedness, and now I want to talk to those of you who think that you have to be popular or think that you have to have more public gifted for it to be valid. Or those of you who wish you had other people's gifts. Again, that's not how the kingdom of God works. Listen, our job... As we, as we operate with these gifts that God has given us, is to make much of Jesus. That's your one job in life. If you have one job in life, that's it. Make much of Jesus. Whatever you're doing, wherever you go, make much of Jesus. We are to just shrink back and become small. To let Jesus be seen. Let Jesus be big. And when the glory of Jesus is our goal, we don't have to worry about whether we're gifted enough or not. We don't have to worry about what gift we have. We don't have to worry about uh, wanting everyone to see our gifts. We can just live out the purpose of the gifts that we see in verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The manifestation of the Spirit just means um, that demonstration that God is, is present and active in His church by His Holy Spirit. And this is what happens when we use our gifts. And we'll see more of that later. But I want to focus in on that it's for the common good. Why has God given you the gift he's given you? For the common good. So if you have the gift, gift of hospitality, for example, and there are people in our church who very obviously do that, use it for the good of the church. If you have the gift of prophecy, of knowing just what to say from God in the right place at the right time, use it for the good of the church. If you have the gift of encouragement, don't worry that you don't have the gift of teaching or the gift of leadership or the gift of hospitality or anything like that. Just, just get on with encouraging the church. Lord knows we need more people who encourage us, don't we? Why? Why do we operate where God has placed us and the gifts he's given us? Because Jesus is Lord and we are his body. And in everything we do, we accept where God has placed us and we operate in the grace that he has given us so that he's glorified, so that he's made big and we can be made small. So you can't say, well, I don't, because I, I don't have that gift, so uh, I'm, not, I'm not good enough. I can't serve the church. 
And we'll see this in great detail next week, and I don't want to start in next week's passage, but Paul uses this analogy of the human body, and, and he says that, well, the, can, the hand can't say to the foot, that the, can, the hand can't say it's worthless because it's not a foot. We are what we are. And God has gifted every one of us for the common good, which means you have been gifted not to hoard that gift and never practice it because you don't have the confidence, nor have you been given that to be proud of it and try to display it. But, but you've been given that gift for the building up of the body of Christ. We equip each other. We encourage each other along the way. We encourage each other to love Jesus more, to follow Jesus more, to speak words of truth, to serve people. Because Jesus is Lord and we are his body. So can I just encourage you, don't be afraid. Use your gift. And don't be proud or jealous. Just humbly use your gift. This isn't about you. This is about our good and loving Father ministering to the church of Jesus Christ through his Holy Spirit. So, like, I say this a lot. I feel like I say it a lot. Let's take our, and I'm mostly preaching to myself, let's take our eyes off ourselves. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus, right? The, the one who died and was raised to life again and who will be alive forevermore. Jesus is Lord and the church is his church. And God in his kindness to us wants us to operate in the special way that he has gifted us. And this is what the spiritual gifts are all about. They're about declaring that Jesus is Lord for the good of his church. So just trust him. God is good. And he's with us. And this is where we come on to this next section, which is kind of where uh, most people have most questions around. But it's important to lay those foundations, isn't it? That it's all about Jesus for the good of his church. That's why he gives us his spirit, and that's why the spirit gifts us in these ways. And I want us to see that the spiritual gifts are given to be God's grace in action. God's grace in action. I'm going to just read verses 8 to 10. Uh, Paul says, um, For to one is given through the spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by one spirit, by, by the one spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by the one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Now, the first thing I want to point out here is that it's very common to read a list like this in the Bible and go, well, these are obviously, you know, I have to have one of these gifts because it's here in the Bible. But what I want to point out is that this is not a complete list of spiritual gifts that God makes available to his church. It seems that maybe in Corinth there were some of these gifts that were on display and maybe that's why these are the ones that Paul speaks specifically about here. But other places across the New Testament, we've already seen some in 1 Corinthians 5, we'll see more in 1 Corinthians 14. Peter has a go at mentioning the spiritual gifts all over the New Testament and there's these lists of gifts. And the one thing is that none of these, there is some correlation, but they're all different lists and none of them seem to be complete. And I think that the mistake we make is that we think that, well, if I don't have one of these gifts, then, oh, there's something wrong with me. The Holy Spirit hasn't gifted me. But it's not a complete list of gifts. Some of us in this church are very clearly gifted in some of these areas. And some of us won't be. And that's okay. The point is that nowhere in the Bible are we given a complete list of, the, of, of gifts of the Spirit, such as God's wealth of generosity to us. Like, you could be writing, you could write, write for eternity and not, not write down a complete list of the ways that God gives his church, right? That's God's just generosity. He gives too much. And it seems to be that Paul and Peter and others, they, they want us to see God, uh, as he was inspiring these guys to, to write the Bible, he wants us to, to know what to be on the lookout for. I think that's a good way of putting it. I read someone wrote that, and I thought, man, that's a really good way of putting it. We, he wants us to know the kinds of things to be on the lookout for, or at the very least, to be on the lookout for God gifting his church in various ways. But let's look at some of these. We're not going to look at them all, and I'll explain why in a second. 
The first one is, is what's called here the utterance of wisdom. Something that I clearly lack, uh, but there you go. Um, <laughs> I'll explain what it means. This is really like a, a word of wisdom uh, that encourages others to live out their lives in accordance with the gospel. That's the, the simplest way that you could put it. So a good way of thinking of it is maybe um, like an illuminate, the Holy Spirit illuminates something to you or, or um, a prompting of the Holy Spirit to bring about knowledge of God or knowledge of self um, that we can share with someone that, that is faithful to how God is, is dis- described in the Bible, how God reveals himself in the Bible, that results in a deepening of maturity. So let me explain. Um, it's about speaking the wisdom of God into someone's life or a, a, a specific situation. So have you ever been facing a difficult choice, a difficult decision you have to make? Or a, a, a time of suffering or a difficult time. And maybe, you know, you can all think of your own examples. But then, and you, and you just have no idea what to do. You're just like, I don't know how to handle this. Or you're, maybe you're handling it quite selfishly. Or, or you just can't think straight about it. And then, you know, you meet up with a friend for coffee or whatever. And, and, and they say, huh, that's, you know, that's really interesting. I think, blah, blah, blah. Chances are, that's a word of wisdom from the Lord. It's a word of wisdom from the Lord. And it's related to the next one, which is an utterance of wisdom or an utterance of knowledge. And this is a message of knowledge is based on a knowledge of who God is and a spirit-led understanding of the Bible. So much like speaking wisdom into someone's life, this will be when someone speaks specific knowledge into your life. So uh, we were talking about this in the prayer meeting earlier. Anyone can read the Bible, right? Literally anyone in the world that can read can read the Bible. But the key thing to remember is that only Christians or, or people that the Holy Spirit is working on to, to lead them to trust in Jesus uh, can get the right meaning. What that means is basically only with the Holy Spirit, only the Holy Spirit's illumination can we understand the meaning of the Bible, hear what God is truly saying. So you see those like, uh, weird... Um, uh, like Discovery Channel documentaries or, or History Channel maybe and they're like, oh the Bible says this and this is obviously about this and aliens and blah 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 but seriously and uh, th- that's not what the illumination of the Spirit and that's why we always pray when we read the Bible, it's why, it's why even though John prayed two minutes ago or two minutes before I got up here like I prayed again before we get into this text because we want the Holy Spirit to reveal the, God of, the Word of God the Spirit of God revealing the Word of God to the people of God. And so a word of knowledge is a message that's based on a godly understanding of who God is and what He says in His Word. And so this is actually a good test. If someone, uh, if someone says to you, you know, I've got a word from the Lord, um, then, then uh, you know, maybe they have a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom, and they maybe won't even know if it one's a knowledge or wisdom. Often those two are tied together. Um, if someone ever says, yeah, I've got a word from the Lord, a good thing to do is then go to the Bible and, and, and see if what they're saying matches up to how God has told us what he's like in the Bible. And that's a good way of, of knowing if it's from God or not. If it's not in the Bible, it's not of God. That's the clue. Because God doesn't contradict himself. So you have these, this idea of words of, of, of words of wisdom and words of knowledge. And this is not just being clever and being able to solve problems. This is a, this is a, a Holy Spirit supernatural gift, which is being able to speak clearly in their situation or speak clearly into, into someone's life or situation. And God will gift various people with this gift at various times of need. And then there's the gift of faith. He mentions the gift of faith. And you're saying... Oh, well, you know, don't we all have faith? Yes, we do. We all have faith. And, and so what Paul is talking about here is not a faith that God gives us, gives to all Christians, right? So you became a Christian because God gave you faith to trust in Jesus, and he, and he keeps giving you that faith to keep trusting in Jesus. This, this is how our salvation comes about. That's how we become Christians, and that's how we stay Christians. But the gift of faith uh, is this kind of Faith in the sovereignty of God. In the, when I say sovereignty of God, what I mean is that, that, that God is in control and is good over everything. And these people just seem to be able to trust 
that God uh, is able and capable of intervening in the most dramatic and supernatural and mundane ways you can think of. These people just have faith no matter what. That's how the Holy Spirit works this out in their lives. They have the gift of faith. They just believe that no matter what the situation, God's going to handle it. And you know the people that you've met who have that, that gift, don't you? There are, some, there are some people in this church who clearly have that gift and it's just brilliant to talk to them. Because they're just, you're like, I don't, you might be crazy because you're just saying God's going to handle us and this is impossible. So I'd be the guy who's standing in front of the Red Sea going, uh, can we just go back to Egypt? And the person with the gift of faith would be, nope, God's going to handle it. That's the gift of faith. Um, I always, yeah, I always joke that my, my father-in-law's like that, right? He's just, I don't, I don't know, he just has that gift, I think. He just has a gift of faith that over and over and over and over again in his life, he's had reason to doubt, reason to flee God, reason to run away, reason to give up, but he never has. And, and here's the thing, because he, God has always proven that his faith has never been in vain. That's the crazy thing about this gift. Um, uh, me and John have a hero of the faith, uh, a man called George Mueller, um, if you don't know who that is, Google him. Incredible, uh, incredible man of the faith. And, and he and his wife started orphanages and cared for uh, hundreds of children's in Brist- children's? hundreds of children in Bristol. And they did it all without ever asking for a penny. They never asked for anything. The only person they ever asked was God. They just trusted that God would handle it. Um, and one of my favorite stories about George Mueller is that one time they had no money and they had no food. Now, now George also preached in a church and uh, the, the offering box was there and he knew that there was money there from the Sunday. And instead of going to the elders of the church and saying, hey, we're stuck here. Can you give us some money, please, so we can buy food? He just prayed and trusted God. And uh, that day, a ham arrived in the post, <laughs> which I think is just God's... Uh, very in a very comic way, providing for them. Like someone thought, hmm, you know, actually, maybe that person had the gift of wisdom or whatever or some kind of insight. I'll just, uh, I'll just send a ham in the post here to George. Um, but that's the gift of faith. And, 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 and listen, if you recognize somebody with that faith, don't ever try to say, just calm down. Like this might not work out the way you think. Encourage those people. If we had more of those people, God, I'm convinced that we would see God doing far more. If you have the gift of faith, I was always said, don't stop believing. Don't stop believing. But keep practicing that gift. Speak out. We need to see, the church needs to see what it looks like to have ultimate faith in God no matter what. And then, next on the list, there are gifts of healing and miracles. And I've, I've purposely put those two together. Because they both include God supernaturally intervening in the physical world. Now, this doesn't mean that God heals everyone. And it's not the ability to heal at will. Like, you don't go around, pew, pew, heal. That's not that kind of like, dang, that's not what this is. In the outworking of all these gifts, as we have to understand, in the outworking of all these gifts, God is working out his purposes and his will for the world. And sometimes that means that some people get healed, and sometimes that means that some people don't get healed. And this is not about mustering up enough faith so that God will do something miraculous. It's allowing God to work through his people in his ways for the glory of Jesus. And so when someone's sick, we do ask, we do believe, we do pray boldly, we believe that God is willing and God is able And then we hold our hands open, knowing that the will of God will be done. So we're bold in our prayers. We want to pray for healing and expect it even. And then we trust him. Why? Because Jesus is Lord and God is good. If God wants someone to be healed or a miraculous thing to happen, a supernatural thing to happen, then he will gift somebody to make that happen at the right place at the right time. And I've experienced both in people very close to me, but I experienced someone who has been miraculously healed and someone who wasn't. And guess what? God was glorified in each of those situations and no one will convince me otherwise. I dare you to argue with me. If you want to know more about that, 
You can ask me later and I'd be more than happy to share that. So if somebody is sick, we pray for God to heal them. And if there is need, we pray for God to intervene miraculously. But here's the thing, and I know what times are on and we're getting towards the end. The truth is that any time anyone is healed, it's miraculous. What we tend to do is draw this weird line between natural and supernatural and say that one's miraculous and the other one's not. But it's a, listen to this, it's a miracle that someone with cancer can be blasted with, with toxic radiation and injected with poison and that somehow heals them. That's miraculous. That's God's common uh, grace to us. Listen, you eat food that springs up out of the ground because it's being nourished by water that falls from the sky. That's miraculous. And God, in his grace, does this kind of thing all the time. Let's not be too quick to think that God is only working when something supernatural or unexpected happens. God is at work and his will will be done. That doesn't mean we don't ask. It doesn't mean we don't hope. It doesn't mean we don't continually and boldly pray because we do and we need you people with the gifts of healing and the gifts of faith to pray that those things will happen. And sometimes it will involve something supernatural and sometimes it won't. But I guarantee you that God will always be glorified. And next one, I'm leaving out prophecy and tongues and the interpretation of tongues for a reason because we're going to come back to that when we get Paul goes into it in way more detail in chapter 14. So we're going to park those for a minute and we're going to come back to those in a couple of weeks. So our last one then is distinguishing, distinguishing between spirits. Ah, good one. So uh, specifically, this is the ability from God to be able to uh, evaluate the origin and authority and application of a prophetic message. That's kind of what it probably looks like in the church. And more generally, basically what it is, it's been able to distinguish whether something's from God or something's demonic or from the devil. That's basically what he's talking about. We're distinguishing between spirits. And maybe, I think, that maybe in certain parts of the world and at certain times, certainly in ancient Corinth, this may have been more of a, a prevalent one. But I was thinking about this and I was like, no, we do need that gift. We need that gift today, don't we? When we watch, like, there's a lot of Disney on our house at the minute, and, and when you watch some of these Disney movies, you're like, I don't, I'm not convinced that message is from God. You know, I don't think that's a godly message, or, or, or uh, you know, think what you want about Disney, but I'm not saying Disney is satanic, but who knows? Anyway, I don't have that gift. I'm not claiming to have that gift. Uh, but, but in our world, we do need that. We need to be able to distinguish what is from God and what is not of God. And if you think that, hey, well, actually, I noticed this, and I thought that was not from God, or that was from God, and maybe you have that gift. And this is where we want to get to. Because there's probably a lot of confusion here. Um, and I hope that we can dispel some of this. So what does all this look like for us? The last verse of this passage, verse 11, is, is really encouraging. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. All of these gifts are, are some of the ways that God in His generosity... And grace shows us that he is present and active and alive in his church. It's not about him, remember. It's not about you, sorry. It's about him. Wow. I'm done. Time to go. It's been a long week. And listen, I want you to be encouraged that if you are a Christian, you have been uniquely gifted by God. Why? To glorify Jesus for the good of his church. So please don't leave up to the pastors or the elders or the missional community leaders to, to do this. God wants you to be active and minister to his church. Not because you have something special to offer the church. You don't. None of us do. But because God has something that he wants to offer to the church through you. Matt Chandler puts it well. He says, you are not the audience. You are the actors. Don't deny the gift, the, 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 don't deny the church the gift that God has given you. And maybe you're thinking, well, uh, before today I wasn't even aware that I was gifted, or I don't even know what my gifts are. How do you know? Well, a lot of this comes from experience, but I would start by looking at where do your passions lie? What, what, what do I feel naturally good at? What do you feel most alive doing? Ask yourself, what am I good at and what do I care about? And, and, and where those two things cross over, that's usually a good indication, a good clue as to how God may have gifted you. And listen, if you're a mature brother or sister, 
then can I ask you to just start encouraging younger believers in their gifts. Start by pointing out gifts that you notice in them. This is hugely encouraging. I've had people do this in me, and it's really encouraging. So if you see somebody in your missional community or at gathering and you, and you recognize a gift of prophecy or a gift of service or hospitality or, or whatever kind of gifting in them, encourage them to be active in it. And missional communities are a great place to do this, right? I want our missional community, we want our missional communities to be about cultivating these gifts in each other so that we can serve one another and build each other up for the good of the church and the glory of Jesus. So in your discussion times this week, don't, uh, don't sit there too afraid to speak up. You are the home of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit desires to speak through you to his people. Or if you feel, I have something to say to that person, can I encourage you, just share it with them. Now, you don't have to go and be like, thus saith the Lord. You don't have to do that, right? You don't have to say, this is definitely God sent it. But you can say, hey, this has been in my head, and I think it may be relevant to you. Can I share it with you? And can we ask if, if God makes it resonate with you, see if it makes sense? We can do it humbly. Come to, our, come to our prayer times. and Come to the prayer and worship nights. These are, these are good times to get used to listening to what God is saying. In our, in our worship times here, in our gathering, if you feel that you have something to say to someone, or, I mean, relevant to what's going on, I'm not just going to ask them what their holiday plans are, but like, you know, as we worship God and you feel Him leading that way, have the freedom to, during the songs or afterwards, go and speak to them. Because God is active in His church and He desires to speak to us through each other. And, and, and listen, like anything, you get better at this stuff with experience. Um, and you'll, you get better at discerning, well, this is from God or it's not, or, or you know, you get better at knowing. Like, I'm not saying some people have the gift of serving, so they should be the ones who are, uh, they should be the only ones who do the dishes or whatever, or empty the bins. That's not how this works. Some people are gifted that way, and they excel in that, but it doesn't, it doesn't remove all responsibility. But God has gifted his church in these ways because the truth is that God is good, right? We believe that. God is good. And he's present and active in his church, right? God is here. He's with us. And he has gifted you in the ways he needs you to be gifted. So that you can be a, build, a part of building up this church. You, but did you know you're a priest? You are here. You are here to minister to one another. It's not just my job. It's not just John's job. It's not just your missional community leader's jobs. And these gifts are God's grace in action to his church. And when you operate in your gifting, you're actually demonstrating to your brothers and sisters that, that God is, is active and present with his church. So please don't be afraid. Because remember, it's not about you. It's about Jesus. You didn't die for the church. He did. You aren't Lord of all. He is. He's the one who died so that we might have life. And, he's the, and in his death, he, he, remember we said he defeated the power of sin. And in his resurrection, he defeated the, the, the results of sin. He enables us to have this new and true and full life. And, and, and the, the ways that he gifts his church are, are some of the ways that we can experience that true and full life here and now. For the glory of God. So don't deny it and don't abuse it. God has gifted you to demonstrate his presence with his church for the common good of his church. And, and please hear me when I say this. If you're a Christian, nobody gets left out. God has gifted you and he longs to use it for his glory and for the good of his church. Let me pray for us.